0: Today, we are talking about justice, particularly to how it relates to God as judge. Now, Satan's agenda is very simple when it comes to this. He wants to distort justice and make it something that it is not. After all, justice has everything to do with right and wrong, good and evil. And that's everything that Satan stands against. Now, our first scripture reading for today came from the book of Genesis. And what what it tells us about is day two of creation. And on day two of creation, God separated the waters that were below from the waters that would be above. And he put between them something that's called an expanse or a vault. And he named that expanse sky or heaven. Now you might be asking yourself right now, what does day two of creation have to do with justice? Well, first of all, for me, it's a nice visual of the difference between the ways of God and the ways of man. That God's ways are higher than our ways. And I get this out of Isaiah 55, verses 8 through 9, where it says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Second, it foreshadows an event that happened about a thousand years, after creation the event i'm talking about is the flood in the day of noah there are a couple of clues given in day two of creation to hint that maybe it is foreshadowing this event for instance the world at that time was still covered in water this foreshadowed how the world would once again be submerged in water second we have that god set water above the earth on day two as well And some believe that the rainfall that contributed to the flood was the first rainfall in the creation of the world, since the creation of the world. Thus, it would have looked like the end of the world to the people who saw the rain falling, because it's the first time that it ever rained. Also, day two of creation was the only day where God did not declare something to be good during that day. Now, you can double check me on that because uh, it's it's not in there. You're not going to see that God declares that this vault or that the waters above and below were good. Now, is he saying that those things are not good in his creation? Of course, he's not saying. Of course, the Bible is not saying that those things were not good. Instead, it is an, intent, an intentional foreshadowing by the Holy Spirit to reveal that something interesting is going to happen later on. Particularly, these waters are being reserved. Uh, for judgment, for justice. Third, it serves as a reminder that God sets judgment aside until their appropriate times. Notice that the sky separated the waters above and the waters below. And you could easily think of this as being, being representative of the divide that would be created between God and man. We oftentimes represent this with a canyon in modern-day um, artwork. There is a man on one side, God on the other, and this giant canyon separating the two. And oftentimes what we do is we fill that canyon with a cross, showing that the cross is the only way to the other side. But mankind deserved judgment from the day that they originally sinned, and thus this water was being preserved in the sky so that one day it could come down in a form of, of judgment. So he chose a time and a day to judge the world. After the flood, God announced that he would never judge life through the means of a worldwide flood ever, ever again. But instead, Second Peter 3, 7 tells us that even though he's not going to flood the world again, that later the world is being reserved for fire. So the first judgment of the world was accomplished through water and the second judgment of the world will be accomplished through fire. Day two of Genesis reminds us that God is judge. Judges are connected to justice, and few people have any clue as to what justice really is these days. I went to Webster's Dictionary to find out what the actual definition of justice is, and Webster's Dictionary says that justice is the administration of the law, the rendering of what is due or merited, the quality of being just, fair or impartial, and a synonym for it is even-handedness. So basically, justice is resolving conflicts where the law has been violated. It is a matter of bringing balance and sustaining the foundation of our civilization. As related to the flood, God's laws of creation were being violated. God intended peace. Mankind brought violence. God intended one man to marry one woman for life, but later on in the book of Genesis, you see this man Lamech come along, a descendant of Cain, and it notes specifically that he had two wives. So he introduced polygamy into the human condition. The Lord was to be God alone, but mankind ended up oddly shacking up with demons and somehow produced demonic offspring. It was so bad that Genesis 6-6 tells us that God regretted that he had created mankind, and we know the rest of the story we know that God brought this global flood that wiped out the entirety of the world's population man woman child all the animals of the earth and preserved Noah and his family and the rest of the animals inside of the ark God spared one uh, uh, God spared this one family of humans, and he it showed that he is merciful and would not cast judgment on those who loved him. This relates to the passage that we also have from Micah. You're probably used to hearing verse 8 of chapter 6 all by itself, where it says, act justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with your God. Now this verse shows us the character of the Lord and his expectations for us, that he sought those traits out throughout the world and found them alone in Noah and his family. Now, this morning we read Micah chapter 6 verses 1 through 8 to gain some context to this passage. But there's still more in Micah that you need to know to fully understand exactly what is going on. Why the prophet Micah wrote all of this. And essentially in chapter 6 what we get is that God is leveling a complaint against the nation of Israel they were saying that he was not acting justly. But he reminded them in Micah chapter 6 that not only was he being just, but he was also being gracious to them. You see, if you back all the way up to Micah chapter 3, you learn a couple of things about the nation of Israel at the time. For one, their rulers hated justice. Their rulers hated justice and perverted equity. Judges at the time accepted bribes from people to rule their way in cases. Priests would only teach when they were paid money, and the prophets required uh, required payment to share their visions with people, which is more of a form of divination than what it is prophecy. This leads to Micah chapter 6, verses 7 through 8. God wanted to tell the people that he actually did not require much out of them to share in his blessings. In fact, he was disgusted with their religious offerings because their lives did not reflect his ways. So in Micah, he wrote, With what shall I come before the Lord and bow down before the exalted God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with 10,000 rivers of olive oil? Shall I offer my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has shown you, O mortal, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, and to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. And when Micah said justice, he meant in the biblical sense, the biblical kind of justice. Biblical justice does not change over time, but instead is rooted in the immutable character of God. Mankind's character shifts and becomes something different over time, but God's laws always stand the same. God's sense of justice always remains the same. It goes beyond civil law when, when the Bible refers to justice. James 4.12 assures us of this, that God's laws, that, that God's character is unchanging, and indeed he is the right one to um, to execute justice on the world. He, in James 4.12 it says, there is only one lawgiver and judge The one who is able to save and to destroy. Psalm 89.14 adds, Righteousness and justice are the foundation of thy throne. So we're being told that God is always going to uphold justice. People might fail at doing that. God will never fail at upholding justice. Leviticus 19.15 gives us some pointers with how we can honor justice the way that God does. It says, do not pervert justice. Do not show partiality to the poor or favoritism to the great, but judge your neighbor fairly. This goes back to what we said earlier. Justice deals with a violation of the law and upholding uh, civilization. <clears throat> justice is not brought about by mob rule. In fact, the Bible discourages listening to the popular opinion in court cases. Exodus 23 2 says, do not follow the crowd in doing wrong. When you give testimony in a lawsuit, do not pervert justice by siding with the crowd. Now when you study the New Testament, you learn that God's law actually was not intended to punish, but actually to direct and to teach. In fact, the book of Galatians refers to it as a school teacher, schoolmaster. First Timothy one nine says We also know that the law is made not for the righteous, but for the law breakers and rebels, the ungodly and sinful. So law is a standard through which to cast proper judgments by the appropriate authorities. What we learn through the justice of God and God as judge is that he is also merciful and expects us to be merciful as well. So we do not look towards other people with judgmental eyes, but instead we look at them like Jesus. And so we are to act justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with our God.